Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You hate me because I ain't average. My whole dream desires are so savage. I called your bluff because you ain't bluff. Now back your back, I'm hanging up. You average. You beg me for a fool with no and you're now listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. I'm your hostess, Sandra London of livinggrind.com, broadcasting for you live from the sunny beaches of Southern California. Blog Talk Radio, or Playtime with Sandra Radio is available to you via Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Digital Podcast, um, NGR Music, and livinggrind.com. The song you just heard at the top of the hour is called Average by the Audio Monkeys. And next up, I'll be playing Bullseye by K. Drew. The call-in number is 858-815-2333. Here's Bullseye by K. Drew.
wears black. She's driving old Ford pickup with a pit bull in the back. She's got crankcase all on her tight blue jeans. And her alligator boots smell just like gasoline. Maybe I'm crazy, dump them, run off the track. But good lord, that girl looks sexy in that cowboy Cadillac. A cowboy Cadillac is long and lean. If the close, then you'll find you a farmer's limousine. And if you get drunk, you can sleep in the back of that long bed, flat, black, three quarter ton cowboy Cadillac. Now she was sitting at a stop sign on a hot June day when a bright red Ferrari pulls up and wanna play. But she don't pay mind to that rich boy thing, cause she just loves the way her slant stick thing. Maybe I'm crazy, dump them, run off the track. But good lord, that girl looks sexy in that cowboy Cadillac. Cowboy Cadillac and long and lean. If the close, then you'll find you a farmer's limousine. And if you get drunk, you can sleep in the back of that long bed, flat, black, three quarter ton cowboy Cadillac. Let her unwind. Now mine's a 59 Chevy, hers a 61 Ford And that's the kind of thing that could get a man ignored But she said, don't worry babe, I know it's just a phase And when it comes to pickup trucks, I swing both ways Maybe I'm crazy, dump them, run off the track But good lord, that girl looks sexy in that cowboy Cadillac Cowboy Cadillac is long and lean It's the cloak thing you'll find and if you get drunk, you can sleep in the back of that long bed, flat, black, three quarter ton cowboy Cadillac. Well, it's a long bed, flat, black, three quarter ton cowboy Cadillac. Well, it's a long bed, flat, black, three quarter ton cowboy Cadillac.
Mademoiselle? Petra reaches out for Roman, cupping his ass cheek from behind. No, no, thank you, it's fine. We'll, we'll be going. My ride's here, Petra volunteers, winking at the staff. Enter Johnny Otto. There he is. I am Johnny's pet, Petra chuckles, as Roman grips her hand tightly and keep up. Johnny is jar. Party of two and a half, Johnny intimates with reserved discretion as a temporary chattel claim assignment. Where do we tell? Roman begins. Don't you worry, Petra rubs Roman's knee gingerly. Johnny's got everything under control. Petra is suddenly overwhelmed. Petra lays her head atop Roman's khakis, creating a very hard and humid situation. Three, two, one. Johnny has arrived. Uh, uh, Roman stutters. Roman is a bit of a mess. A stowaway ejects smoothly from the door, proffering an assortment of complimentary tissue. Roman flusters about, moderately embarrassed. He looks to the east of himself. Wow, how did it know where I live? Roman continues to peer out of the window. Did you leave your light on? We can read, you know, Petra cautions gently. Oh, Roman sighs. Um... Thanks, Roman bellows uncomfortably into the voice box which separates the chattel from the operator. Much obliged, Johnny affirms solemnly. Mm. Now, where were we? Petra purrs distractedly, prodding her new favorite thing. 322 Kings Court, Utopia, Swartzen Bridge, recalls Johnny. Petra rolls her semi-permanent autumn green eyes. Johnny is at a full stop. Roman is released upon exit. Petra's dismount, however, is delayed. She pauses a moment, but all are silent. Ugh! Johnny! Petra squeals for precisely 20 seconds. Let me go! Roman looks on in suspended disbelief. You, my pet, have not arrived at your... Petra interjects, fucking bullshit, Johnny! Petra gathers Roman's coat and lifts it up from her lap towards the auto lights. Throwing it over her nipple-length chocolatey mane, she slips her hands into Roman's sleeves. You have changed, Johnny reports. Johnny is ajar. Standing momentarily akimbo on the sidewalk, Roman and Petra soon advance onwards towards Roman's high-rise. Looking back, Petra tugs her left boob ever so slightly while pointedly winking her right eye. I will put you in my pocket. And we're back. You're listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio, and I'm your hostess, Sandra London of LiveAndGrind.com. The songs you just heard were Bullseye by Kay Drew. Cowboy Cadillac by William Roldan, and Autonomous Booty, an erotic short form by yours truly, Sandra London of livinggrind.com. Up next, I will play Be Free by Elephant Funeral. The call-in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. Be Free by Elephant Funeral. Best is too fast, the truth Wrapped up in excuses, you are 
The weeds that pull, they grow back Now the strings upon my heart, but you know that Cause you pull them, yes you pull them till they cry out Cause you never felt comfortable with silence Yes you pull them, yes you pull them till they bite down On the lies that you built from my doubt I don't want money, I don't want cars I just wanna be free And to keep it 100 All these scars are what make me, me and I'll drink to that if your lips to glass In the hopes that when they will be See something different than the glimpses that the devil let us see So raise your eyes To crimson skies Lay down your disguise Embrace your Design. I don't know much about love or trust Cause I only know about us And we were never good, resentment was plentiful So hard, destruction was inevitable And this ain't a thing that you would turn to This the type of thing that made me curse you Type of thing that made me not care if I hurt you Not give a damn that I hurt you I don't want money, I don't want cars I just wanna be free Keep it 100 All these scars are what make me Me And I'll drink to that If you'll lift the glass In the hopes that one day will be Something different than The glimpses that the devil Let us see So raise your Eyes To crimson Skies Lay down Your Give you nothing Line in a poem And that no melody Would ever carry Your memory and song But this sort of deception Feels it's like home Cause since the day you left It's all that you've known And for the most part I beat you for my soul But sometimes my hands They move without my control Reaching through the darkness For someone to hold When I know damn well That I'm better off alone Cause you try to say everything First bridge and course And I curse your name Until my voice rang hoarse And I was worried How you would be After the divorce Until I built a broken I don't want money, I don't want cars, I just wanna be free And to keep it 100, all these scars are what make me, me And I'll drink to that, if you'll lift the glass In the hopes that when they will be, see something different The glimpses that the devil let us see
America's Most Beloved Epic Novel, Gone with the Wind, by Margaret Mitchell. Part 1, Chapter 1 Scarlett O'Hara was not beautiful, but men seldom realized it when caught by her charm, as the Charlton twins were. In her face were too sharply blended the delicate features of her mother, a coast aristocrat of French descent, and the heavy ones of her florid Irish father. But it was an arresting face, pointed of chin, square of jaw. Her eyes were pale green, without a touch of hazel, starred with bristly black lashes and slightly tilted at the ends. Above them, her thick black brows slanted upward, cutting a startling oblique line in her magnolia white skin. And that skin, so prized by southern women, and so carefully guarded with bonnets, veils, and mittens against hot Georgia suns. Seated with Stuart and Brent Tarleton in the cool shade of the porch of Tara, her father's plantation, that bright April afternoon of 1861, she made a pretty picture. Her new green flowered muslin dress spread its twelve yards of billowing material over her hoops and exactly matched the flat-heeled green Morocco slippers her father had recently bought her from Atlanta. The dress set off to perfection, the 17-inch waist, the smallest in three counties, and a tightly fitting basque showed breasts well matured for her 16 years. But for all the modesty of her spreading skirts, the demureness of hair netted smoothly into a chignon, and the quietness of small white hands folded in her lap. Her true self was poorly concealed. The green eyes and the carefully sweet face were turbulent, willful, lusty with life, distinctly at variance with her decorous demeanor. Her manners had been imposed upon her by her mother's gentle admonitions and the sterner discipline of her mammy. Her eyes were her own. On either side of her, the twins lounged easily in their chairs, squinting at the sunlight through tall, mint-garnished glasses as they laughed and talked. Their long legs booted to the knee and thick with saddle muscles crossed negligently. Nineteen years old, six feet two inches tall, long of bone and hard of muscle, with sunburned faces and deep auburn hair, their eyes merry and arrogant, their bodies clothed in identical blue coats and mustard-colored breeches. They're as much alike as two bowls of cotton. Outside, the late afternoon sun slanted down in the yard, throwing into gleaming brightness the dogwood trees that were solid masses of white blossoms against the background of new green. The twins' horses were hitched in the driveway, big animals, red as their master's hair, and around the horses' legs quarreled the pack of lean, nervous possum hounds that accompanied Stuart and Brent wherever they went. A little aloof, as became an aristocrat, lay a black-spotted carriage dog, muzzle on paws, patiently waiting for the boys to go home to supper. Between the hounds and the horses and the twins, there was a kinship deeper than that of their constant companionship. They were all healthy, thoughtless young animals, sleek, graceful, high-spirited, the boys as meddlesome as the horses they rode, meddlesome and dangerous, but withal sweet-tempered to those who knew how to handle them. Although born to the ease of plantation life, waited on hand and foot since infancy, the faces of the three on the porch were neither slack nor soft. They had the vigor and alertness of country people who have spent all their lives in the open and troubled their heads very little with dull things and books. Life in the North Georgia County of Clayton was still new and, according to the standards of Augusta, Savannah and Charleston, a little crude. The more sedate and older sections of the South looked down their noses at the upcountry Georgians, but here in North Georgia, 
a lack of the niceties of classical education carried no shame, provided a man was smart in the things that mattered. And raising good cotton, riding well, shooting straight, dancing lightly, squiring the ladies with elegance, and carrying one's liquor like a gentleman were the things that mattered. In these accomplishments, the twins excelled, and they were equally outstanding in their notorious inability to learn anything contained between the covers of books. Their family had more money, more horses, more slaves than anyone else in the county, but the boys had less grammar than most of their poor cracker neighbors. It was for this precise reason that Stuart and Brent were idling on the porch of Terra this April afternoon. They had just been expelled from the University of Georgia, the fourth university that had thrown them out in two years. And their older brothers, Tom and Boyd, had come home with them because they refused to remain at an institution where the twins were not welcome. Stuart and Brent considered their latest expulsion a fine joke, and Scarlett, who had not willingly opened a book since leaving the Fayetteville Female Academy the year before, thought it just as amusing as they did. I know you two don't care about being expelled, or, or Tom either, but what about Boyd? He's he's kind of set on getting an education, and you two have pulled him out of the University of Virginia, and Alabama, and South Carolina, and now Georgia. He'll never get finished at this rate. Oh, he can read law and judge Parmalee's office over in Fayetteville. Besides, it doesn't matter much. We just had to come home before the term was out anyway. Why? The war, Goose. The war is going to start any day. And you don't suppose any of us would stay in college with the war going on, do you? You know there isn't going to be any war. It's all just talk. Why, Ashley Wilkes and his fathers hold pod just last week about that. That our commissioners in Washington would come to... to an amicable agreement with Mr. Lincoln about the Confederacy. And anyway, the Yankees are too scared of us to fight. There won't be any war, and I'm tired of hearing of it. Not going to be any war. Why, honey, of course there's going to be a war. The Yankees may be scared of us, but after the way General Beauregard shelled them out of Fort Sumter the day before yesterday, they'll have to fight or stand branded as cowards, before the whole world. Why, the Confederacy... If you say war just once more, I'll go in the house and shut the door. I've never gotten so tired of any one word in my life as war, unless it's secession. Pa talks war, morning, noon, and night, and all the gentlemen who come to see him about that Shot about Fort Sumter and states' rights and the Abe Lincoln until I get so bored I could scream. And that's all the boys talk about, too, that that and their old troop. There hasn't been any fun at any party this spring because boys can't talk about anything else. I'm mighty glad Georgia waited till after Christmas before it seceded, or it would have ruined the Christmas parties, too. If you say war again, I'll go in the house. She meant what she said, for she could never long endure any conversation of which she was not the chief subject. But she smiled when she spoke, consciously deepening her dimple and fluttering her bristly black lashes as swiftly as butterflies' wings. The boys were enchanted, as she had intended them to be, and they hastened to apologize for boring her. They thought nonetheless of her for her lack of interest. Indeed, they thought more. War was men's business, not ladies, and they took her attitude as evidence of her femininity. Having maneuvered them away from the boring subject of war, she went back with interest to their immediate situation. What did your mother say about you two being expelled again? The boys looked uncomfortable, recalling their mother's conduct three months ago when they had come home by request from the University of Georgia. Well, said Stuart, she hasn't had a chance to say anything yet. Tom and us left home early this morning before she got up, and Tom's laying out over at the fountain, Fontaine's while we came over here. 
Didn't she say anything when you got home last night? Uh, we were in luck last night. Just before we got home, that new stallion Ma got in Kentucky last month was brought in, and the place was in a stew. The big brute, he's a grand horse, Scarlet. You must tell your pa to come over and see him right away. He'd already bitten a hunk out of his groom on the way down here, and he'd trampled two of Ma's darkies who met the train at jo- Jonesboro. And just before we got home, he'd about kicked the stable down and half-killed Strawberry, Ma's old stallion. When we got home, Ma was out in the stable with a sack full of sugar, smoothing him down and doing it mighty well, too. The darkies were hanging from the rafters, Popeye. They were so scared. But Ma was talking to the horse like he, he was folks, and he was eating out of her hand. There ain't nobody like Ma with a horse. And when she saw us, she said, In heaven's name, what are you full doing home again? You're worse than the plagues of Egypt. <laughs> and then the horse began snorting and rearing, and she said, Get out of here. Can't you see his nervous, the big darling? I'll tend to you four in the morning. So we went to bed, and this morning we got away before she could catch us and let, left Boyd to handle her. Well, do you suppose she'll hit Boyd? Scarlet, like the rest of the county, could never get used to the way small Miss Charlton bullied her grown sons and laid her riding crop on their backs if the occasion seemed to warrant it. Beatrice Charlton was a busy woman, having on her hands not only a large cotton plantation, a hundred Negroes and eight children, but the largest horse spring farm in the state as well. She was hot-tempered and easily plagued by the frequent scrapes of her four sons, and while no one was permitted to whip a horse or a slave, she felt that a lick now and then didn't do the boys any harm. Oh, of course she won't hit Boyd. She never did beat Boyd much because he's the oldest, and besides, he's the runt of the litter. That's why we left him at home to explain things to her. God Almighty, Ma to stop licking us. We're 19 years old and Tom's 21. And she acts like we're six years old. Will your mother ride the new horse to the Wilkes uh, barbecue tomorrow? She wants to, but Pa says he's too dangerous. And anyway, the girls won't let her. They said they were going to have her go to one party, at least like a lady. Ride in the carriage. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. It's rained nearly every day for a week. There's nothing worse than a barbecue turned into an indoor picnic. Oh, it'll be clear tomorrow and hot as June. Look at that sunset. I never saw one redder. You can always tell weather by sunset. You can't. 
water from a dry well can't save a
How long do you think you'll be at the top, I wonder? Um, at the top isn't so important. got what you want, did you want it? Well. Never said we was the best, we just look like it. The presence deceives you, man, the game don't need y'all niggas. I'm 22 trying to change the world, tell me nigga what you do today. The rap game a mess, I'm trying to clean what's left. I bet y'all I'm in chest, the pressure on me. For the life I refuse to lose, nigga pay the dues. Every day I'm dreaming about this music, nigga. It's the love I felt, you know my car's been dealt A young nigga, I'm just playing my hand If you were smart, you would throw a couple bands Cause the man headed to the promised land, no lie Everything fly, crazy how a young boy used to be shy Knew I had skills, just didn't know why How you stay grounded when your goal's in the sky Tell me how you live when the laws don't apply Man, they want me nine to five in a shirt and tie Work my ass off just to get old and die I'm looking at y'all like, why? This the type of feeling niggas get from the pipe Except I give it to you from a mic Respect y'all shine, but I'm a different kind of bright These labels losing money, tell them I show them the light I've been addicted to the culture You a act, nigga, I'm real rap Sing, get on any beat and go, I rap I'm a fucking star, that's a fact But I don't need rap music just to tell me that As long as my mama said, maybe Obama said Till then, I'ma kill all of the contemplating and live life Tomorrow's money starts tonight, my nigga, get it right Do you miss your anonymity? Do you miss being able to go out and, and not be recognized and go places? Uh, so that, uh, as it used to be before you became famous So no one would pay any attention to you except I'll tell you I'll put you up along my smile, bring you back down under a while, fill you with life, with the wisp of death, till we're both running, clear, out of breath, till we expire on sins and sighs, with dreams and fears upon our thighs. We'll bury deep here, counting sheep, to rise and shine in our daily grind. Hello, all you sexy naked girls radio listeners. Have yourself a naked day and make it a naughty night with me, Sandra London, on Playtime with Sandra every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now that's better, baby. Why don't we sing a song to help pass the time? Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Sabia da chuva Ou na Tijuca Ou em 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.